Hey, Ryan. Hey, Fantasia. Guess what? What? Wakanda forever! Wakanda forever! I'm surprised uh, people weren't walking around saying this more. I feel like if I'd been a kid when Black Panther came out, like I would have been running through the schoolyard, tearing my shirt off every recess, just screaming Wakanda forever, and possibly trying to make my chest look like Michael B. Jordan's chest and failing miserably and probably having to go to the emergency room for trying. But it would have been a fun, you know, story to tell the grandkids. Uh, I'm Andrew Fantasia, and this is Infinity Rewatch. Who's with me? Who's with me? All right, I'm Ryan J. Whitehead, and this is Infinity Rewatch covering the Black Panther. Wow. Yeah, Black Panther. It is, it is, uh, and we're close to the time of year when Black Panther came out because it is March, and Black Panther also was a March movie. Uh, and we're we're totally um, starting to see, like we're in at this point in the MCU, we're really just in the thick of that. <laughs> I don't even know what you would call it, Ryan. Just like home run <laughs> after home run after home run. Yeah, uh, we're we're in the glory days. That's for sure. <laughs> that's the, the only way I can say it. <laughs> oh, oh man, it, it is. It is. It it. This is where Marvel just found its traction it found its sweet spot it didn't it's taken its risks in like with like movies like iron man 3 and all that stuff find out what works what doesn't work and this movie was way overdue but the timing was right the the timing was right for this movie to really kick off and, and be what it needs to be and it was so it was so beautiful. It was it, everything it got. It was deserved. It, 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 it earned it. And it was just such an impactful movie on so many levels. Um, and it's, it's, oh man, it's a real shame um, about Chadwick because uh, man, he, he brought this character to life from, from the pages to the screen. It's uh, he really brought this character to life. Oh, I know. Like just, watching it last night just thinking of the fact that this this poor guy and like the, he was going through treatment cancer treatment while he was making this movie and at no point in this movie does he ever not look like a graceful elegant boss like that's yep. that's the superhero right there like you can't he's he's not acting like a superhero he is a superhero he's just acting like black panther um it's yeah it's a terrific performance and a terrific sort of uh, uh, new addition to the pantheon of of heroes. And I don't just mean heroes in the sense of like the Marvel legacy. I mean, like mm-hmm. heroes that kids can be like, oh, yeah, my favorite hero is, you know, in, in our day, it was usually Spider-Man. But like, I love that now there's all these new heroes coming into the mix. And I love talking to kids now and being like, who's your, what, what superheroes do you like? And, you know, I hear a lot of Black Panther and I love that. I love that he's this new fresh face who, you know, we've known because we're comic dorks and we've known who he was but (laughs) now these kids can join the fun too um we should i think we should mention off the top of this uh to make it clear crystal clear for everybody listening uh ryan and i are very handsome intelligent men especially ryan but we, (laughs) we we wanted to make it clear that we are at the end of the day two white dudes uh so our opinion is 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 the opinion of, of two white dudes, and mm. this is such an important movie for for uh, African American culture that we really just mm. feel necessary to just kind of say that, like, hey, we're we love it, and we're coming at it from this perspective, just so it's out there and clear, and everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we're going to be definitely uh, very culturally respectful. And, uh, you know, and uh, again, we're, this movie deserves all the uh, all the respect. And uh, and so we're going to do uh, we're going to do our very best and, and be give it the respect it deserves. So I, I, I but that being said, you know, I absolutely love this movie. I love the culture it brings to the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe. And uh I'm happy. I'm. I'm just. I'm happy uh, that this movie exists. It, it's an amazing, amazing feat what they did with this movie, and I can't wait to talk about it. Oh, I'm. I'm right there with you, buddy. I am right. Mm-hmm. I'm, we're buying two tickets to Wakanda, <laughs> and you know what? I don't think they're going to be round trip tickets. I think we're just making it one way because why not? That yeah. Wakanda's got it all. Uh, now, before we get into the movie itself, uh, I want you to take some time and kind of give us the rundown of black of what the comics gave us in terms of black panther because that was a thing for me going Mm -hmm. into this where i was really excited because black panther was the first character that the mcu gave us where i was like i know that he exists and that's literally it i know nothing about you know his world and how it works i don't know who his villains are i don't know what personality t'challa has i don't know what allies he has i don't know what powers he has it was literally just mm-hmm. i know there's a guy named black panther from wakanda who has vibranium that's it <laughs> literally period that's it so yeah. it was it was a really cool um sort of like mystery box for me going into this cuz i'm like i literally know nothing i don't i couldn't tell you what story beats this is going to hit you obviously were coming at it from a different perspective. So tell us, Mighty Watcher, what do you know about this story? All right. So the Black Panther debuted in 1970. Stan Lee was like, oh, we need a Black Panther character. We need to represent the civil rights movement. Um, that This character will definitely have a lot of cultural impact. So he went out there, created this character, and uh, there were some real stunning moves they make. They, they gave Black Panther... Um, some real strong moments to just represent um, African uh, American culture. So he had this beautiful one page spread where he reveals himself and to be like this king and be successful and rich and powerful was, was a really strong thing for a lot of readers. Um, And so uh, now the impact Wakanda and the Black Panther have uh, in the Marvel Cinematic U- Universe is quite huge, and the cool thing is, is that they actually like they actually talk about um, a lot of broader things that is very subtle to the untrained mind. And what I'm going to do is, I've been doing a lot of research, uh, Fantasia, uh, new book I have, uh, <laughs> and, and that, but it helps me. It helps me get uh, a better understanding of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because for me, I am I I wouldn't say I'm a Marvel purist, but I am someone because that would mean like in the movies I'd be like, oh, it's all wrong. It's nothing like the comics. I would say that I am someone who enjoys what Kevin Feige does, which is essentially you take these critical moments in the comic book history and you um, you take these critical moments and you respect that lore and you bring it to the movies, but you tell it in a modern way. Um, and I think Kevin Feige and the creative team does that the best. And I, you can definitely see it here with what Ryan Coogler did uh, and the creative team uh, behind Black Panther. So that being said, uh, Wakanda, so they're... Um, 
so Wakanda and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, the gods kind of have a lot to do with um, kind of straying from the Eternals uh, and the, uh, the Celestials. So after the kind of Big Bang moment, um, you know, the Eternals uh, are all about, you know, life and celebrating life and all that and they create gods essentially is what the eternals do they create gods that overlook as we usually do when we're all about life we're like you know what sit down create some gods it's a thursday exactly right so the celestials and the eternals create these gods and so uh wakandans come into play uh at this point and so um in this kind of timeline of Wakanda, because the interesting thing is, is that uh, the creative team Black Panther was saying Wakanda is even a character or Wakanda feels like a character. Oh, I so, love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. And and so that character plays a very interesting role. So in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, let's start with like primordial Africa is inhabited by numerous of tribes and species by the Earth Mother uh, Gaia. They are driven into exile by the nomadic humans and their god heroes, the, uh, forgive the pronunciation, the Ori, the Orishas. Then approximately uh, 1 million BCE, uh, a huge vibranium, vibranium meteor crashes into Earth in Wakanda, East Africa. So we did see that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, decades later, the Bashinga leads his tribe into fighting mutant monsters created by Rob Vibranium. Bast, which is the which is the god that is referenced that leads um, the Black Panther tribe and teaches them how to become like the Black Panther. Uh, uh, Bast sponsors Basinga's people, introducing science and knowledge in return for eternal devotion. Mm. Centuries centuries later, twenty four uh, warring local tribes unite under the kingdom of Wakanda and it and institute a total execution total exclusion policy in the 1940s the black panther azuri captain america and nick fury uh nick fury's howling commandos repel a nazi invasion of wakanda azuri provides a sample of vibranium that forms part of the new captain america shield uh and then decades later i i really hope they still do this with the black panther franchise because this is this is a really cool story T'Challa challenges the Fantastic Four, revealing Wakanda's electronic jungle and the nation uh, to outsiders for the first time. And uh, years, uh, so years later, after that, T'Challa joins the T'Challa joins the Avengers and openly declares Wakanda's uh, hitherto secret to existence to the world. Now T'Challa travels deep into space, discovers existence of inter uh, of the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. So. Not only does he influence the world, he decides, you know what? We need to impact the universe. And he creates a space empire for Wakanda. That is just those words, the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. You just gave me chills, brother. That is great. Um, I hope everybody was paying attention because I will be testing you on that later. There will be a quiz. Mm -hmm. And I'm not joking. Um, So at what point does Christine Everhart slash Nihilus figure into all of this? (laughs) <laughs> well okay so what i've learned from like the eternals is like when the celestials were the celestials these huge space gods were like okay we're gonna create life and all this stuff they create the eternals in which they help create uh gods as well uh then what happens is if like 
the mutation goes wrong. Well, sorry, when the creation goes wrong and they're more creature esque, they're known as deviants mm. because they deviated from their life plan. And those are supposed and to they, be the bad guys in Eternals, right? The deviants. Yes, yeah, that is correct. Yes, and they so they're they're kind of think of like think of like mutants that are like werewolf looking monstrous creatures. Um, but yeah, so uh, Wakanda. So Wakanda plays a pretty interesting role. And what I liked about how the creative team talked about Wakanda is that they talk about it in the sense that it's a culture that celebrates excellence and you see it. They really are inspired by things um, to create better technology and better living for their culture. And so this movie does a really good job of establishing the character uh, and really protecting and establishing the character uh, that Wakanda is from the comics. Uh, and the Black Panther, there's a lot of history there, uh, which I can get into, but I'm not going to quite dive into it yet because I want to get the pacing of the movie going. Um, so in Act 1, we see the meteor hit uh, hit Wakanda, which is the classic story of Wakanda itself. Uh, also, they talk about Bast. Bast is one of the gods. There are a few gods, actually. Uh, there is uh, Toth, Bast, Koku, Majaji, Puta, and Naomi. They're, those are the gods. And what's cool um, is uh, Toth and Bast, they are also... Egyptian gods. The Egyptian cat god is Bast. That's why the mummies uh, in the movie, The Mummy, they don't like cats. It's because of Bast. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's, yeah. This this is like MCU mixed with Bill Nye, the science guy. You're welcome. If if Bill Nye taught about uh, historical uh, and geographical religions, but uh, Mm. where, see, we're educational is what I'm trying to say. Educational. You're learning. Yeah, so, all right, new learning. And I love that they're using that. They're using that culture. They're using everything to, like, bring it all together, um, which is really awesome. And I love that they use this kind of sand display technology to to, to tell the story of the Black Panther tribe. Oh. And then the movie starts in Oakland, which is interesting because Ryan Coogler's films all start and end in Oakland, uh, California. So that's really important. And it's important to him because he feels that a lot of African history is embedded in there. And he's not so, wrong. He's not wrong at all. I, mm-hmm. the, the introduction for me, cause what's beautiful about little kids is that as little kids, we don't see uh, color in people. We don't sort of uh, take people and, and split them up into groups. We're just, we just see people period. So I remember as a, yeah. as a little kid, my first sort of lesson where like, you know, somebody sort of showed me like, Hey, look, there's, there's uh every, every culture has its own history. And I'm like, Oh, neat. Like my first sort of intro to African American culture and like what it is in, at least when I was growing up was the early nineties in and around Oakland and like East Los Angeles, that whole area, because that was a very cornerstone. And again, this is just coming from me, a random white guy who didn't study it or anything, but just from growing up in that time, it was sort of a linchpin of African-American culture in that part of the U S like, look at how many big stories about African-Americans are set in that time and place in and around Oakland and East LA, like uh, boys in the hood, um, like Fresh Prince, when when Fresh Prince moved to Bel Air, you know, he he his his group of buddies like Jazz, they hung out in East LA. Um, the whole uh, the like NWA started around that that neighborhood. 
Uh, and even when they got around to making Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, they set it in East LA in 1992 because it was that was so so heavily a part of African American culture. So I remember watching this, and when it opened in Oakland, I wasn't familiar with that Ryan Coogler fact that you just shared. That's really cool. When it opened in Oakland, I was like, "Oh, perfect!" Like that's that. I was like, "Okay, I, I understand exactly the train of thought he's trying to get us to go on," and it worked. And I love seeing anything said in 1992. So I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, man, it's, it's just really awesome. Um, so it's, it's really nice to see that they, they really respect um, the, the culture and lore of, of Wakanda, but it's also important to respect the culture of African American history and, and to use that as a center point is really strong and powerful. So, um, and so what happens is, is that we get the intro of, of the story where you know, we see this, uh, we see the spy for Wakanda, which, you know, uh, Wakanda has all these spies all embedded around the world. Um, and, uh, he's sent as a war dog essentially to, um, to just, you know, spy on the world. And he's obviously feeling that, you know, they need to be bigger. They need to be better. They need to, you know, fight back their oppressors and take them out. And, um, and it goes against uh, King T'Chaka's uh, wishes. And so King T'Chaka arrives. And when he arrives, he's wearing one of the famous Black Panther outfits, which is the royal ceremonial garb, which is really cool to see his armor uh, really stand out like that. And the funny thing is, is that the actor who plays um, the actor who plays the king, uh, King T'Chaka, the younger version of him, is actually played by uh, the son of the actor who plays the older cool. uh, version of T'Chaka. So that's really nice to see no that they're way. doing that. I did not know that. That's really neat. Uh, I do love his his uh, regal Black Panther outfit. You're right. He's like, he's got the, yes. the suit, but there's also that sash to be like, this isn't just a, a dude who's a warrior. Like, this is a big deal. He's the king. He's got that sash on him. And I remember noticing that last night and never noticing it until then. But it's all the little tiny differences between all the Black Panther suits is something I really appreciate. And we'll get more into that later for the climax. But I really appreciate those little differences. Yeah, absolutely. And so, okay, then we get the kickoff of we get the kickoff of the main story. We get we get so um, he kills the father and leaves the son. Uh, and so we get into uh, T'Challa's story, which I love how they establish that it's been a week since the UN, uh, the events of the Civil War. So we already now know where the Black Panther's timeline takes place. There's legit no guessing. And I like that. I think that this could be Marvel's pivotal points, um, where the, the, the critical juncture point, because I think like Star Wars, you have Star Wars, you have the prequels, uh, and then you have the events that take place within the Clone Wars, and that's like the critical juncture point. Uh, then you also have the events between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi, and they're very specific about that. But you either have prequel events or you have sequel events. And I think with Civil War, I think that's going to be a juncture point, which after the events of Civil War, we're going to see heroes uh, emerge, if you will. Like there, we're going to see more and more superpowered people coming up, which brings up, which brings to the quotation of Vision's point, which is, you know, our strength invites conflict, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I think that I think that the civil, the post Civil War events is going to be huge, and it's also going to be interesting because that's also the same time 
where Black Widow's story takes place in the the new movie that will be coming oh, out. Oh, you're so right, man. That's something I never even thought of. Like the the chronology of the MCU is very nebulous. Like we we just kind of assume, yeah, you either watch it in the order it came out, or you know, the exception is when something is clearly set in a period, like Captain America or Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're so right. Like they there is a a clear border of time the way like how you say the star wars movies do it and those Mm. borders i think you're right i think our first big border was civil war uh everything after everything kind of changed after civil war so it set in motion a whole new change of events and then i think the only other border i can think of offhand that we got to mark something big is that five-year gap in endgame uh you know we get our snap then we get five years and then we carry on and i think that uh, we've already started seeing like, you know, in Spider-Man Far From Home, they've talked about like, oh, most of us didn't survive the snap. So we're making up for our lost time and we're five years in the future now. Like it's really setting that stage of this is where we are in time. I think mm-hmm. our next big border, and this is just me guessing, is going to be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I feel like that's going to be another event like Civil War, where it's like now there's two parts of this universe is before I open the multiverse and after and that's going yes. to set in motion yeah. and chain oh, i love that uh, yeah i couldn't agree more and i think that that's definitely where the storyline is going to run because essentially once we get into the multiverse which we're starting to i think with wandavision we're going to scratch scratch at that Ooh. wall and then eventually we're going to break through it with the with doctor strange multiverse of madness and loki as well because loki is the one that screwed it all up yeah. being that god of mischief that he is way to go loki and it, it's <laughs> i love that you brought up star wars ryan because literally the next scene my note about it it includes a star wars reference um that's just because it's me all my notes include a star wars reference even if i'm just talking about like dairy queen uh <laughs> hey this uh, this banana split reminds me of an ewok you guys uh <laughs> <laughs> but i wrote in my notes here that i love the opening attack on the convoy uh when we see black mm-hmm. panther jump down and get to the convoy and what i love about it is that um we haven't gotten in the mcu we haven't gotten an action scene set in a jungle yet until this that's true and it just made yeah. me think like like star wars uh it keeps giving us fresh new environments like when the original trilogy came out you know you had like here's your sand planet and then here's your sequel let's put them in snow and then here's the other sequel let's put them in the forest and you know they keep giving us these new environments mcu's been doing the same thing like they know okay avengers was cool but we can't have them fight in a city every damn time that's going to get old really fast so we've had fights in the desert with iron man we've had fights here and there and and so a jungle is something we haven't seen yet so just getting to see Mm -hmm. this set with a jungle beautiful i i love that we're seeing marvel in every facet of this beautiful diamond that is planet earth and it looks glorious no matter where they set it absolutely and and not only that i love the shot where they discover them in the trees because a lot of comic book covers or even even panels have him with that pose in the tree right where he's in the trees like a panther which is uh, again, really cool to see that. I mean, you could take a ton of comic books from the Black Panther and be like, yep, that's that's a really cool recreation of those comic book shots. And in fact, I, the reason why I'm talking about that too 
is uh, Chadwick Boseman actually really focused a lot on expression with his eyes. There's actually a lot of camera shots in both Civil War and even in Black Panther where he tells like he really gives off this distinct look with his with expression of his eyes. And I think that was a really neat thing that the directors use because it's, it's, it's a lot like the comics where he's standing and looking at somebody, but giving them a very projected emotion. So it's really cool to see that as well. And I do talk about that because fun fact is, uh, of course, after he, you know, um, uh, the uh, Dora Milaje, she warns him that, uh, Okoye uh, warns him that uh, he's going to get caught uh, as a, a, a antelope in headlights <laughs> when he sees the love of his life. So another uh, comment on looks there. Um, so so that's a, a great scene. I love the way Black Panther fights. It's it's uh, it's very it's very unique. It's a very cool movement. Um, and so we then we get introduced uh, to the the. Um, the wonderful world of Wakanda. We get the, the spaceship, which is really cool. I love how she's doing this kind of meditative pose to pilot yeah. it, which I guess means that it's piloted by intuition, which is pretty crazy. I don't know I don't if that's hundred percent true. I, I just thought but... it was on autopilot at that point and she was just chilling. She was just taking a breather. And perhaps, yeah. Or maybe she's yeah, maybe it is on autopilot, but she's still connected to the ship and the, so the sensors can warn her and all that stuff. I don't know, but that it, it, the way they use technology is really cool to see in this movie, and it, it, I, you know, I can't wait to see how that this this movie definitely does a great job of representing technology in a way that could inspire future scientists to develop said technology. Right? I so, hope so, I, man. Future scientists, get on it. Stop inventing, yeah. <laughs> like, stop inventing apps and shit, and like, we don't need more TikToks. We need flying things in invisible cities. Because uh, I, I agree <laughs> or with those or those Okoye beads, man. Those, those Okoye uh, beads. There is nothing yeah. wrong with those Okoye beads. I agree with T'Challa. Seeing Wakanda never gets old. Like flying yeah. through that bubble, uh, and then Wakanda is once again beautiful and colorful. Marvel's all about being mm-hmm. colorful, and even Okoye and her guards, they wear the most stunning shade of red, man. It just... Yeah, the Dora, the Dora Milaje. Yeah, the they're they're they're. I, I we got to see them for the first time in uh, Civil War as well. They got introduced there. Um, uh, we got to see them introduced there, but uh, we get to see them in their full armor, and I love the presence they bring, like as as this this royalty. Um, and if and what's interesting is it's all women. It's all women being the uh, royal guard to the black panther yeah and that is that is empowerment man that is strength like that is just wow <laughs> yeah it's really cool to see um and and in the comics the Dora Milaje, as well as in the movie like they're powerful characters like they're you know uh they're they almost match if not beat the black panther strength um obviously because they protect the throne so uh, they got to keep them in line. So it's pretty cool to see that. Um, very good representation there. I love to see that. Uh, we also get the royalty. We get, uh, uh, I believe it's Ramonda, uh, which is the queen. Who, by, uh, by the way, of, uh, that's Angela Bassett who plays the queen. And she is, I think, mm-hmm. 79 or 80 years old. Is she not the oh. most beautiful woman? Like, <laughs> I hope I so look half beautiful. as good as her when I'm 80 years old. <laughs> I right oh man I tell you uh and we also get introduced to Shuri the princess of Wakanda uh so uh so yes uh Shuri 
is going to be an interesting character, actually. I, and we'll talk about that way later on. But uh, I think she's got an interesting future ahead of her, for sure. Um, so curious to see uh, how that's going to play out. But that being said, I mean, the foundation that Chadwick has built is, is incredible. And I would, oh, man. You know, um, I wish you were still around because, man, this, the, the storytelling he brings is, is incredible. So, but we get to see Shuri introduce uh, a character from the comics uh, that's, uh, that, that does have a very interesting story. And I like the relationship, the sibling relationship they have. It, it, they defined it as an innovator versus a traditionalist, mm. uh, which is which every time you see them uh, together, you actually see those ideals well represented where... Uh, every time Chadwick is talking about everything he has, he says he likes the way they are. And every time she talks to him about stuff, she says that doesn't mean it cannot be improved. That's so uh, true. So- and I, I didn't, uh, mm-hmm. like, I always, for, I don't not, I shouldn't say I always forget, but I just, I never really remembered the scene coming up where she's like, what are those? And she's like looking at his sandals, right? That's mm-hmm. not something that I always remembered about the movie, but something I always, always remembered about Shuri was her choice of footwear because she's always in like a very formal looking dress or something like that. But then she always has just like white sneakers on. And that's just something I always remember when I think of Shuri, you're like, she's got sort of traditional look until you get to her shoes. And then she's just totally casual and modern. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. And I definitely love her style. It's, it's a really cool style to have. Um, so then we get a cut to the great, uh, great Britain museum. Uh, and we're we're reintroduced, or sorry, we're introduced to Eric Killmonger for the first time, which probably you know Michael G. Michael uh, B. Jordan brings uh, again. Just comes into the comic book. He has some experience in the comic book movie world. Um, we're not going to talk about it though. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but he brings this character uh, such life and such uh, passion. I think is is the best way to capture it. Um, and and it's such interesting written because. He's he is probably when this movie came out and still today when people talk about this movie, they say his as a villain, he ranks as high as Loki in terms of popularity, which is pretty crazy. That's pretty amazing to be uh, that that high in popularity right out of the gate. And uh, as a villain, um, it's interesting because it's really two hero stories now. Yes, he's Michael B. Jordan's character is sort of an anti-hero. He takes it a little bit too far, um, but he's not wrong. He's, he's in this movie. That's what's interesting is the hero actually learns something pretty big from from the the I guess villain. But I don't know. It's hard to say if he is a villain. I I would definitely say he is a villain. Um, <laughs> but you know, I get why he's so mad. Um, I just. I I agree with those people though. I hold him in very high esteem when it comes to the MCU villains. In fact, one of the specials that uh, I'm still adamant of having on this show at some point in the near future is our our ranking villains list. And without being too spoilery, he's not going to be low on my list. <laughs> uh, Killmonger yeah. is, and again, a great testament to what Marvel does so well, what Kevin Feige does so well is you take villains that nobody but the most inside person would have heard of. And then mm-hmm. what do you do? You make them so cool that they outshine villains that everybody has heard of. Every, I would say most people have heard of Red Skull. 
everybody, yeah. I think, prefers Killmonger to Red Skull now because of yeah, what they exactly. did. Exactly. And I've never seen yeah. Michael B. Jordan not be intense. He's always like, like, like a raging. No wonder they cast him as as Human Torch because he's always like a raging fire of intensity every time I see him. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually want to see him do something like lighter, maybe something funny, just because I haven't seen him do that yet. Uh, yeah. But he's obviously he crushes it here. Uh, fun fact: the first thing I ever saw him in was also a superhero movie. It was Chronicle. Do you remember Chronicle? Uh, I I remember hearing about Chronicle, but I never saw it. Ooh, it's like a superhero movie done like Cloverfield, like found footage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's but it's played as a horror. Like it's not played as like, oh, cool, we're superheroes. That's why it's like played as like, oh, damn, like powers are scary. Um, and that's the first thing I ever saw him in. And he was probably the best one in that, too. Like He's just a really talented actor. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, Killmonger rocks and claw is back too ulysses claw yes played by one of my favorite actors mr andy circus mm-hmm. now his his hand in the comics i know is like a big old sonic gun right yeah it's uh it's it's actually you're close it's a sonic cannon ah. uh, but uh yes uh i'm so happy that you brought that up because that was actually the fact i was going to start talking about too is uh yes his uh vibranium sonic hand cannon uh he in um in the both the trading cards we have Mm -hmm. uh in the in the beautiful skybox run there um he usually has this like kind of like satellite dish looking arm cannon um this one i thought was actually pretty clever it's a kind of a prosthetic hand that splits open and it has this huge cannon that comes out of it which i thought was pretty cool uh, but it was nice to see that, like, he can control it to a point where, like, just a sliver comes out and he can, like, shatter glass and he can control, like, the frequency. So we're we're really getting the comic book version of Ulysses' claw. And again, I, I don't want to fast forward too much, but it's a shame that they didn't keep him alive because uh, both villains, in fact. But you couldn't have the same impact, I think, a story, like, writing-wise. I mean, you can you can lay in your opinion there. Uh, as a right, as a as a successful writer yourself, sir, um, that uh, that I don't think you could have given the gravity that these characters deserve without probably killing them. Um, so so yeah, so this case, um, yeah, I love the Sonic Hand Cannon, and I love I love how they introduce Eric Killmonger. Is he he again? He he speaks from a very honest place, and 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 is very direct and talks and then discovering that it's a Wakandan artifact. And then we see how the artifact works where uh, Ulysses Claw uses the hand cannon to shake off all the, I guess the rust that the, or gunk that builds up over it. And it's a, a really cool weapon. Yeah. The hand cannon got some, some love. Uh, and again, like you said, the trading cards is what is my only, that's where my knowledge of Claw comes from. It starts there and it stops there. And mm-hmm. according to one of the trading card sets I had, he was a Fantastic Four villain. So that's how I always yeah. saw him. And he had like the big red and purple suit. Um, so MCU was the first time I ever learned that he fights Black Panther. Um, that just kind of became a thing. I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, that makes sense. He's an arms dealer. He he's Is he originally from South Africa too? Or is that something Andy Serkis added to it? No, no, no. He's he's actually from South Africa himself. Um, he so actually Ulysses Claw is one of those villains 
that yes, you could say they're a Fantastic Four villain, but he actually is directly, I would say, in my opinion, a Black Panther villain. His story often, more often than not, is is in Wakanda. But yeah, um, he's he's been kind of a villain of, I would say, Fantastic Four, Ant-Man, and Black Panther. But it's because they're all like studying you know vibranium and that obviously leads to black panther and that's kind of how that relationship works Uh, okay so he's just he's the vibranium guy he's like when vibranium's involved you know claws around the corner um so here's a question for you then ryan and i want you to think long and hard about this one okay what do you suppose his mixtape sounds like I actually think we uh, what it what it would sound like is kind of the music we heard in the car chase. Actually, <laughs> is what it sounds like. Oh, I love that scene. We'll get there. We'll get there. But first, uh, I do want to talk about the ceremony uh, of uh, the uh, what's it called? Oh, please talk about the ceremony of what's it called. Yeah. I love the yeah, ceremony. Of what's called. Called. Yeah. yeah, the uh, this the oh my god, what is it called? It starts with a C. Oh my god. Challenge? No, no, no. Oh man. The uh if you know the name of the ceremony, kids, tweet at Ryan Whitehead. Yeah. Um Oh my god. I'll think about it as I talk about it. Anyway, so uh yes, the coronation. <laughs> there, you go. there it is. There you go. Cor- coronation. So the coronation challenge, uh so or sorry, Black Panther's coronation, which because it's this coronation, they have the right to challenge if you're a part of the, you know, royal bloodline uh, of the different tribes. Uh, beautiful scene, man. Talk about colors again. I, I, I feel like you're going to talk about it. But yeah, like what beautiful colors that really make uh, really make the world of Wakanda feel enchanted. And that's what the writers and the original comic book people were going for whenever they would reference Wakanda, they said they would want like the moons to be bright blues instead of just like a gray night. Uh, They wanted the sunsets to be orange and bright reds. And so it makes the place feel enchanted. And the the outfits they have and the looks they have and, and the culture they bring to it really does make the place feel very enchanted um and it's it's just so gorgeous to look at oh man it is as i was sitting i was watching it last night and I'm, i'm sitting there on my couch and i was like you know what this is the first time since we started infinity rewatch this is the first time where i'm thinking god damn i wish i could watch this in the movie theater again like I'm so disappointed that all I have is the Blu-ray <laughs> and I've never felt that yeah. before, but it was, that is just breathtaking when he, when we get that, that full reveal shot of everybody standing on those rocks at that waterfall and mixed in with the beautiful uh, score. Uh, that's Ludwig Gornson doing the music. Same guy who does the music for the Mandalorian. That guy can make some awesome scores. Uh, and mm-hmm. you, you hear the drums and you hear the, the chanting and the singing and you, you hear the roar of the waterfall and you see every color ever made in existence on one of the tribes. And it's just yeah. like, I, I don't think I saw this in IMAX when I went in the theater, but I wish I did. But all I know is seeing it always moves me to tears. Just mm-hmm. there's nothing that looks that beautiful. Like I'm getting choked up just thinking about that shot. <laughs> it's, it might be yeah. my favorite shot in the MCU, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, you know, I, I totally believe that and I can totally see why. Because again, it's just, I think it's it's one of those moments that truly 
truly make it feel like a Marvel world that come to life, you know, and it's very rare you get that. I mean, with Thor, you can see where it didn't work, but then there are times you could see where it did. Uh, but this is one of those prime examples of where it did work and makes you makes you just be like, this is a beautiful world um, and enchanted and thought to that. I also will point out that this this uh, the the most pri- the primary part of the cast and 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 crew they were all African American. Like it was uh, a great repre- representation of, of culture and community. So it's it's really great to see that. Um, so with this ceremony and coronation, uh, by the way, I will also mention, speaking of seeing this movie, this was the first time you and I got reunited to see Marvel movies. Oh, was it really? Yes. You and I saw Black Panther. I have a picture of us doing the Wakanda pose by, by the Black Panther movie poster. Cause we saw it together. Oh my God. You have to send me that picture. I don't think I have it. Um, yeah. do you remember if we saw it in IMAX? Uh, I don't, I want to say we did, <laughs> but I don't know for sure. Uh, but I will, I will go and grab that photo for you. Oh, yes. I Thank you. Me. Definitely send it to me. Now tell me, you, I, I need some more of your comic knowledge here because this is where we meet my favorite character in the movie. This is where we meet Baku, the man ape. Um, yep. I, have you ever watched the show person of interest? Uh, no, I have not actually. First of interest is this great little show. It's like, it's nobody really knows about it. Uh, it came out in 2011 and it's by, it was made, it was created by Christopher Nolan's brother, Jonathan Nolan. And the whole point of the show is there's these two guys. One of them is Jim Caviezel and the other one is Ben Linus from Lost. And they are in New York city and they are using uh, surveillance to uh, like they're using an algorithm to sort of stop crimes before they happen using like uh, by spying on people by surveillance. And it's this whole sort of thing about Homeland security and evasion of privacy. It's this amazing show, uh, very Batman esque. Uh, so you would love it for that. And that was my first introduction to Winston Duke who plays Mbaku the man ape. He is a villain on that show. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil who he is uh because that's sort of like he sort of plays a character where you think he's one thing but then he's something else uh but he is terrific on that show he's so much fun um and then when i found out he was in this i was just pulling my hair out with excitement because i'm like yes he's gonna be a marvel character uh and he's he just kicked kicked my ass with how good he was and he became my favorite character so tell me about mbaku the man ape is he a villain is he an anti-hero what's he like in the comics Okay, so yes, uh, Mbaku, man. Uh, first of all, Winston Duke. Uh, it's him and another actress who I will find, uh, Okoye. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Okoye, which is uh, Denai Guria, uh, those two actually went to a, uh, the New York School of Acting together. I'm pretty sure that's not what the school is called, but it's a famous school in New York for acting. They both went to that and they said, wouldn't it be great to be in a Marvel movie together one time? Oh uh, God. Or, and, and fun fact is they obviously did. They got to be in a Marvel movie together. See, now you and uh, I went to acting school and we said the same thing to each other. So <laughs> Kevin, where's our phone call, brah? So dreams do come true. Uh, <laughs> well, we got to do this podcast together. So Hey, That's I true. take that as a win right there. Same. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. So, um, 
by the way, I just sent you the photo, and yes, it was IMAX. Oh my god, I, I'm looking at it. Oh, you're right. Here it is. Wow. Um, so yes, Umbaku. So to talk about Umbaku, first of all, man, he is a scary dude. Let me tell you, uh, Winston Duke definitely made both the coolest looking guy, but he has also made Umbaku feel very intimidating. They bring him in and they're doing the chant and they, and he just brings this presence and I love how they modernize the outfit. Uh, and the fight scene is gorgeous to watch they again really as someone who appreciates fight scenes um as someone who appreciates uh fight scenes you can really see that each character has their own unique signature of movement um mm -hmm. is probably the best way to define it and it's it's just absolutely fun to watch in this beautiful waterfall background um which is again a reference to the comics uh as well that that area uh and uh Mbaku uh he so he is always war, uh fighting against Black Panther uh in the comics essentially Mbaku both fights both the father and the son uh to take the reins of Wakanda and he does succeed he ends up winning because he believes that technology is uh poisoning Wakandan culture and that it Wakanda is moving too fast to um, to be what it is. So he he his goal is to take over Wakanda, sell off all the vibranium, get it out of Wakanda, so that Wakanda can be what it used to be. So he kind of has that same kind of has that same ideology of the Black Panthers, but in the sense that they just need to get rid of it. Like, just why why even have it? Let's not even learn from it. Let's just get rid of it because it's a poison to Wakanda. So the character does live in that mentality still. Um, and first of all, his outfit, even the mask is actually accurate to the comic um, or is accurate looking to the comic, which is really nice to see, as well as Killmonger's mask. He does use Ulysses' claw, at, in fact, to win uh, in a battle against Black Panther so he could take over Wakanda. Uh, but they didn't use that in this story. But yes, he's he's a very he does play he plays uh, a villain in the sense that he's trying to remind them of the, the the past traditions of Wakanda. Yeah, he's a backwards thinking kind of guy. Yes, exactly. He's a backwards thinking kind of guy. So I love how they adapted him in this story because it, when they do fight, there's kind of that that same amount of respect between them. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really again they they another great example of modernizing a character. Wow. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. <laughs> man did he ever stand out. Uh, I I was so happy when he showed up in this, and all his scenes were just like he steals mm -hmm. the scene. So. I'm a happy camper. Uh, and then we got another actor who I totally forgot was in this until last night. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's here. Is Daniel Kaluuya, our, our friend from Get Out. Uh, he plays the rhino guy. Yes. Whose name yes. I forget. Wakabi. Wakabi. Uh, definitely, mm -hmm. I think as, as Wakabi, he was somehow a better rhino than Paul Giamatti's rhino in Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> 2. And I haven't even seen Amazing Spider-Man 2, so I'm just uh, taking that as uh, uh, from face value. But uh, you did yourself a favor. You did yourself a favor. <laughs> Wakabi. Um, one thing I have in my notes about Wakabi is that thing he's wearing on his shoulder all the time looks so uncomfortable. It's like a big mm -hmm. ring that just kind of drapes around his shoulder. I don't know what it is, but it always catches my eye. And I'm like, that must be heavy and uncomfortable. And I don't like it. 
But I, other than that, mm. I like his wardrobe and I like how he was like, he was this perfect sort of character that you needed to be the one to be like, I'm upset. I'm emotionally invested in this and the king isn't giving mm-hmm. me this. So I'm going to look to outside sources and that's going to get Wakanda into a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Right. So, um, oh man. Yeah, no, it's so true. But uh, he, I, again, like the cast is, is there's so much wonderful chemistry and community in this and you can really feel it uh throughout the performance but um yeah it's it's uh, uh the presence of wakabi is, is really good to see in this one so uh then we get the acknowledgement this is actually kind of interesting so he wins um uh, Mbaku loses and we get to see how we get an origin story without it being an origin story which is amazing uh, but it's also a tribute uh to the legacy uh and and how a character can be a legacy character mm-hmm. because the black panther is always passed down his mantle to another character or to another character i should say um so we got t'chaka t'challa uh to even shori at one point um they all have been black panther and you know black panther is also the one of the original characters to start uh passing down their superhero title if you will uh, uh along with other heroes like ghost rider phoenix Starbrand, iron fist so on and so forth i would hate to be the one who gets inherited phoenix powers because it's like yeah it's gonna kill you and turn you into a crazy homicidal maniac and all your friends will want mm. you to die <laughs> exactly and so it, the first black panther we knew in the comics was actually named Bashinga. Uh, and in the film, the tribute paid, uh, paid tribute to this character by naming the mountain that they fight on Bashinga. Bashinga. So Bashinga is the one who, um, like after the vibranium meteor hits, the, the one who first makes that first suit that we see in the prologue, correct? Yes. Um, correct. So that is, I don't know how far back in years that goes, but is that possibly Eternals material? I would not discount it from the realm of possibility. Ooh, that sounds like you know something. From what I've been reading, it's it's very possible that we could see it. But again, with the Eternal story, I have no idea how they're doing. Like this, if Guardians was one thing that's so far like left field, this this is beyond. This is a whole universe left, like the left side of the universe. So I don't know how they're gonna do Eternals yet. I still this book has definitely helped kind of build it uh, in a way uh build a better understanding but that being said because we literally have nothing to work with it's very hard (laughs) to figure out what they're going to do um so my guess is if we're while we're talking about eternals um it heavily has to do with the black knight um Mm -hmm. and and the first being the first hero because as far as we know as mcu's wise is captain america is the first avenger the first hero so i'm curious to see how black knight is is maybe will change that script a little bit and how they may get into gods and and the whole um the whole beginning of creation with gaia and 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 earth 616 and all that stuff so i i don't know man i (laughs) think in the long long speech of it i have no idea that sounds like something Kevin Foggy would say. You know more than you're telling. But that's okay. I'm not going to force you. 
but so I'm still I'm still new with this. I'm still <laughs> <new>. <laughs> you could have fooled me. Um, yeah. So after after he wins his battle against Mbaku, the cool man ape, uh, T'Challa undergoes the whole thing where he gets buried in gorgeous red sand. Um, yes, and then he visits the ancestral home, which might be the most beautiful thing ever put to film. Yes, the ancestral plane. Yes, with the past, uh, with the past Black Panther leaders. Oh. Uh, beautiful moment, um, and uh, I love it. It talks. It's it's great, and you know what? I think it was. I the only the major only major thing I want to talk about with this scene is I think they did a wonderful job of bringing T'Chaka into the story of Civil War. I think it was so incredibly intelligent to plant that seed at that particular time because it it not only skyrockets Wakanda into, like not only skyrockets into creating, uh, making Wakanda relevant, um, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel forced. It feels smart. And that way, you know, T'Chaka gets this wonderful story build up in that he's this, um, incredible man who's, you know, kept Wakanda, a peaceful nation and, and he's, he's working with United Nations and he does do some level of outreach, helping science and what have you. Um, but, but that story in civil war is so smart to kick off into black Panther, and so this ancestral plane story is a, is a great passing of the torch, which again, to do that in, in one film and then to do that as a part of one film and then make it all about this, this particular film is just absolutely brilliant. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And that is, that is what I love so much about phase three is it's just like, it's episodic at this point and it, there's no, nothing feels forced. Nothing feels shoehorned. It's not like, oh, here's a Doctor Strange movie. So what other hero are we going to learn the origin of? Like, it never feels, um, what's the word I'm searching for? Like, it, it never feels like it's it's a, a, a necessary thing that they shove in there all the time either. It's just perfectly mm-hmm. balanced. Here's the story. And throughout the story, you're going to meet all the characters and everybody's going to fit in where they fit in. Uh, I I would pay to see the whiteboard where they figure all of this out because that. That must be one hell of a nice whiteboard. Um, but yeah, yep. T'Chaka, great king. Sad to see him go. But again, we got to see him in the ancestral plane. And mm-hmm. it's just sweet and emotional and all the right kinds of powerful. Absolutely. And so uh, we get T'Challa coming back, he revived, and he goes to visit his sister Shuri in the lab. And I love her lab. It is just absolutely awesome um and so uh we get the we get the hilarious walkthrough with them in the self-lacing shoes mm-hmm. uh which shuri notes uh that that you know that was inspired by her father loving this one particular movie which we all know is a clear nod to back to the future with the self-lacing shoes and back to the future part two. Oh, i thought it was a clear nod to rosemary's baby <laughs> Oh, well said, sir. But uh, but is it, it's fun. And then we what what actually captures my eye is the necklaces of the Black Panther suits. Mm-hmm. And we learn a lot um, about uh, our hero in that scene 
because he is <coughs> bless you because he chooses to not pick the flashy one he's like the point is yeah. to not be noticed and uh, that yeah. tells us a lot about him because which one does killmonger choose he chooses the flashy one uh-huh. yes he does um so he chooses the flashy one uh but first of all the suit looks fantastic um but uh, yes, all those necklaces and suits are uh, great representations of the comic books. I don't think I need to say anything more about that. Uh, but it's fun to see them. Now, at this point, they go for, they say, okay, we got news. Um, you know, uh, uh, Ulysses Claw has been spotted. We need to go get him. And then uh, they go and hunt him down in Korea and the casino fight scene. Oh my God, do I love the casino scene. So the casino scene, they come in, um, which is really interesting. So first of all, uh, I, I keep mixing up the names, um, but uh, we got uh, Nakia. Uh, she is now, who is the Dora Malaji. She's now wearing a wig, which is interesting that she doesn't feel comfortable because uh, one thing I learned from the behind the scenes stuff of this is that her rank of as a Dora Malaje and her honor is, or sorry, her rank and her um, position within Wakanda is actually tattooed on her head. So for her to wear a wig bothers her. Um, oh. It's also a, a great, uh, uh, great, um, uh, a great uh, point as well about um, about the culture of hair with uh, African American women that they have to wear, you know, some fake hair on their head which, you know, they should just, you know, be proud of their own beauty kind of thing. And so in the fight scene, when she reveals herself, the first thing she does is throw off the wig and then goes into fight mode, which is a beautiful power, beautiful shot of strength um, and, and, and beautiful shot of strength in that, that position. So it's really incredible stuff. Now, I love the tension in this scene because the way it's, way it's done is they're in – Already they know that they're into a sketchy casino area. Like they know this is a place for criminals to do their criminal stuff. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't I, hide behind a fish restaurant if you're legit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we know sketchy things are going down uh, and the whole nine yards. So, uh, so I love this because they introduce Everett Ross in this shot, uh, which is great. And that... Uh, and I love that they're already trying to make a deal. And I love, you know, Martin Freeman's character is really developing well within the story. Again, coming from Civil War into Black Panther. Uh, and he does do a good job of being kind of like the same character we see in the comics. You know, kind of kind of like S.H.I.E.L.D. in the sense that they're trying to keep everything, trying to keep everything away from the public. Like, they don't want the world to know about this stuff. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if, the, if it's going to be revealed, it needs to be done right. Uh, so he's representing uh, his character well in this. Uh, I love the scene where they're gambling at the table and then Stan comes in as his, as his cameo appearance. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to hold on to these for him. <laughs> Stan knows uh, where the money is. Yeah, Stan knows where the money is. And then we get the, uh, you know, uh, Ulysses Ka come in and everything's going crazy. Um, the fight breaks out, which is awesome. And uh, and so yeah, I love the the humor that Ulysses Claw brings. He's like, talks to Everett and he's like, oh, where's the thing? Uh, and he pulls it out of his face. Yeah. 
And it's a thing labeled fragile, and he just slams it down <laughs> on the table. Ulysses Claw is that man is something else, I tell you. And, and again, like yeah. like you said before, it's sad to see him go, just for the fact mm-hmm. that he's just so entertaining. Uh, there's really no other villain in the MCU quite like him, where he just could not give yeah. a damn. Um, uh, now, this casino, Ryan, this took me down a bit of a rabbit hole, and here's why. Because uh, yeah, the casino here, we're in Busan, uh, and it looks exactly, it's not the same one, but it looks exactly like the casino in the movie Skyfall. Yes. Uh, and what I ended up doing was I, I went down this rabbit hole where I'm like, okay, Black Panther is straight up uh, a James Bond movie. And I started trying to find all the the connections I could, like what does it have in common with James Bond? What are all the connections? So I found a bunch here. So I've, obviously we have the casino we have our, mm-hmm. our main hero, not only in a casino, but playing and winning in a casino. Uh, yeah, yeah. We have a car chase where the car uh, can do things that a normal car can't do. Uh, we right. have a, a scene before the mission where our hero is in a lab where the quartermaster of the lab is giving him gadgets and showing him how they work. Uh, we have a, a big thing with James Bond is we have a villain with a physical deformity and in this case both claw and killmonger have physical deformities you could argue killmonger is one giant physical deformity with what he has done to his body and uh the last one that i noticed is at the very beginning of the movie when we're in oakland uh and the knock comes at the apartment door and the character young Forrest whitaker character there he looks at the people and he says it's too Grace Jones looking chicks and they're holding spears. Uh, Grace Jones yeah. was an actress from the eighties and nineties. Uh, you might've seen her in uh, the Conan, the destroyer movie, I believe. Uh, oh yeah. As very acrobatic, muscular African-American actress. She was really good at just playing like, like action roles. And she was mm-hmm. a henchman in the James Bond movie or henchwoman, I should say in the James Bond movie, a view to a kill. She was the henchwoman of Max Zorin, the villain. Oh of the film so there you go this is full of this is basically a james bond movie disguised as a marvel movie or the other way around i don't know yeah (laughs) yeah no oh that's really interesting oh my god that is really cool i like how you pointed that out though that they're both villains with uh deformities which is really uh which is really interesting yeah and that's Um, a big big thing for bond he mm -hmm. loves making the villains physically to form now a question about this is something i couldn't remember in the mcu have they established already i guess maybe in civil war that vibranium can't set off metal detectors or is this the first time we learn that um no actually in the comics uh there are times where they uh they have that kind of moment and yes uh vibranium does not count as metal but in the in the films this is the first time that we've learned this fact right yes yeah it's it's um, well, it's yeah, it's the first time we learned the fact that it can't be detected mm-hmm. uh, through metal detectors. Uh, but we do know it is a form of metal. Um, it's uh, and uh, because we do discover it in Captain America uh, when he picks up the shield, and they say it's the rarest metal on Earth. Right, because uh, when Okoye pulls out her spear, I'm like, oh, they they went through the detector. Where did she get that from? And then I'm I'm just thinking like, okay, she it, it's obviously 
special metal that they can't pick up. And and I was just, mm-hmm. I thought maybe I missed that. And maybe in like civil war or something, they brought that up and like, that's how yeah. he was able to get into the UN with his suit or something. But uh, no, it all, it all fits. I just, I wasn't sure if we'd learned that fact yet. Um, mm-hmm. Then we see into the car chase through Busan. Isn't this great? Yes. Great scene. I love that. And I, I think what I love about it, first of all, we do get the soundtrack uh, that uh, that I believe would be what uh, Ulysses Claw soundtrack sounds like. Yeah, lots um, of. <laughs> but they do have uh, what you uh, what you so uh, poetically use to describe. Not only are we listening to it, but the characters are listening to the same music, uh, which is oh my god, the term is slipping from my brain. Ah, it starts with a D. Oh my god, it's uh oh my god, D D it's no I I can't remember, sir. You're gonna have to throw it in there for me. It is diegetic music. That's one uh, diegetic. I mean yeah, the characters diegetic. in the world can hear it just like we can. So there you there you go. So we get to see um this diegetic moment, but what I love one of the comedic moments I love in this one is they're shooting at the car and <laughs> And Nikia and Okoye are like guns so primitive. So <laughs> like, By the way, how, how have how have we gotten this far into Busan without bringing up how stunningly beautiful um, mm-hmm. uh, Lupita Nyong'o is and that green dress she's wearing? Wow, uh, that uh, Okoye is the one, and that's Denai Gura is wearing the green dress. Lupita's wearing the red. Other way around. Yes. <laughs> I th- i'm pretty sure i'm pretty pretty sure that's uh, I'm, I'm looking at imdb just to make sure i got it yeah other uh, other way o- okoye's got the red uh yes you're right yeah. you're right lopita yes yes that's right okoye is the uh okoye is the dormelage nikia is the uh is the the love interest right yeah and she, she kind of wears uh, i apologize yeah, send your hate mail to ryan j whitehead <laughs> uh, yeah, she kind of wears green throughout the whole. Green kind of becomes her signature color uh, yes. throughout the movie, and just that dress. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, no, yes, uh, I appreciate that. And again, I deeply apologize, guys. I, I've, as you've heard, if you've been following this podcast, I've been terrible with actor names this entire time. So <laughs> <laughs> please forgive me. Um, anyway, so yes, beautiful dress. Um, but yes, the outfits are just absolutely gorgeous. Even the red dress. Um, that deny wears uh, oh, and it looks so cool uh, when she's up on top of the car and it's just billowing behind her like what a great image yeah. i love that she throws the spear and and the, it breaks the car like it literally just stops the car dead in its tracks now fun fact okay so black panther goes through the whole fight scene uh shori's driving the remote car uh, he ends up catching up with uh he ends up catching up with ulysses claw now here is an interesting fact i researched so um, Black Panther catches up, grabs Ulysses Claw, is about to kill him. And Ulysses Claw is looking around at the crowd being like, no, King, don't do it. Um, and uh, he's like, mercy. And T'Challa says, every breath you take is mercy for me. Mm-hmm. And here's a really good one. Um, so here's a wonderful another nod and yet another nod to Namor and atlantis Ooh. now 
The Atlantean king and the Wakandan king have had a relationship for many, many a millennia. Uh, they've had a long, long going relationship, but it, it has degraded over the years and it finally broke during the events of the Avengers versus X-Men. Love that comic. So much fun. Um, by the way, Captain America calls out Cyclops about his love for Jean Grey. Oh, so good. <laughs> uh, but but Black Panther says, uh, T'Challa says to Namor, every breath you take is mercy from me. Uh, and that is uh, that is a big moment. So it's a, a nice little nod to that, uh, that relationship there. Wow. Uh, so another, yet another nod to Namor. He's coming. He's he, we can we can smell his salty fish body on the wind. He is he's just over the next horizon. Um, I'm yeah. I'm more excited to see Atlantis than actually seeing Namor, just because I know it's going to be a beautiful, just like how with Wakanda and with Asgard, you know, we enter this beautiful new world. And I mean, mm-hmm. I really love the world that they gave us in Aquaman. And that movie, just the the characters yes. in that Atlantis are so, there's so much there. It's like a George R. R. Martin novel. Like you could just spend forever just exploring that. Uh, so I can't mm-hmm. wait to see, because Marvel's been nothing if not fantastic with their world building. So I can't wait to see what they do when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, what's his face there? Ulysses Claw gets uh, taken into custody. And that's where he is interrogated by mm-hmm. Everett Ross. And we hear the song yes. from uh, from Night at the Roxbury. He's singing because that's true. Yeah, he sings that wonderful "What Is Love." Um, I love it, uh, and it's so good. Uh, now, the interesting thing about this scene is I love the realization that Wakanda hasn't been honest with the American government, and that they have some serious tech. Uh, and um, then we get the breakout scene, but we get Killmonger in his full. Uh, garb there with the, the military the vest there and, and his outfit and, and uh, great fight scene great breakout uh, and it, I love how unstable Ulysses Claw is at this point um, <laughs> where he's looking at the mirror and he's like I can see you I can see you it's so good um, and so the breakout happens and then I love the Everett Ross goes to take a bullet uh for nakia and then uh they take him back to wakanda uh to save him and then he kind of has this awakening moment of seeing the world of wakanda and uh shuri says another white boy to fix uh which makes which catches us up to what's been going on with uh the winter soldier right Uh, because it sounds like at this point she has fixed the the brainwashing that has happened to the winter soldier and that he's alive and well so we get that nod there and we'll get a little reference of that later on which is another Uh, like i don't think that they stress just how impressive that is like we know how smart shuri is but think about it shuri is i don't know how old she's supposed to be maybe 17 and Mm -hmm. she is undoing decades of nazi brainwashing on this man like that is insane. She is so smart. And 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 they they said in the film that Wakanda is a place that acknowledges excellence and <laughs> it's amazing how much ingenuity she brings to the to the world of Wakanda. Um so we so yeah, so she mentions that and then of course she fixes them in literally days, a bullet wound to the spine, she fixes the spine and everything. Um 
so that is really cool. Uh, and then we get the introduction of Killmonger. Now, Killmonger kills... Uh, Killmonger kills uh, good old um, Ulysses Claw to get his access into Wakanda. Now, I thought that was interesting because, again, I would have preferred Marvel to keep some of these villains, but we lose Ulysses Claw, which, again, at that point for me, I'm like, okay, if we lose him, I hope we keep Killmonger. And we find out, we find out what happens with him later on. Um, but he, but I get it. He has to use that to get his ticket into Wakanda, uh, with the border tribe, which is really smart. Uh, and then we get the, the, again, the fight scene with Killmonger at the, uh, the Mount Bishongi. Uh, and, um, and that actually, that whole fight scene, which is fantastic, but that scene where he throws him off the cliff is actually directly from the comics. Oh, wow. It's a very, like when he's got him held over his head, that feels like a very, um, like it feels like a nod to a piece of yeah. art. Like that's what it looked mm-hmm. like to me. Like that that famous picture of Superman holding a dead Supergirl. Like it just felt like that, like a piece of, of Marvel art uh, that they mm-hmm. were trying to pay homage to. So I like that. I, I, I call it the Marvel moment. The Marvel moment. Yes, it, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's definitely a trading card moment. It's something I would want to mm-hmm. see on a nice trading card. Now I got a fun fact for you. Uh, Or maybe it's a boring fact. I don't know. Don't judge me. Um, But so Ulysses Claw gets killed. Now, this this movie came out a few months after a little movie called Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, in -hmm. which uh, in that movie as well, um, we get a similar thing happening. So this is the second blockbuster in a row where Andy Serkis fools us into thinking he's the main villain until he's murdered in a coup by his henchmen halfway through the movie. Because the same thing happened to Supreme Leader Snoke. Uh, Very true. Yeah, so poor Mr. Circus can't stay the main bad guy for long. And also, uh, Andy Circus, as far as I can tell, is the only actor, Ryan, to be mm-hmm. in Star Wars, Marvel, and Lord of the Rings. Wow, that is true. Um I would say I would say though it's because it's well earned. It is well earned. <laughs> because, he's also because... going to be in DC because he's going to be the new Alfred. So he's got the oh. the, the quadruple crown, as I've yeah. just decided it's called. <laughs> just the king of the king of nerds, man. That's what he is. Uh, but I think it's I think it's because of the work he has revolutionized with motion capture um, uh, and and being able to mocap acting because he really brought that kind of technology or helped catalyze that technology with lord of the rings and schmeagol and Gollum, um and um and also uh with um with uh oh god uh supreme leader snoke also in video games and all sorts of stuff so well deserved for him but that is an interesting point too that he's he's always been killed by his henchmen and there's always that big reveal there um so yeah uh so we get the fight scene he gets thrown off the cliff uh, the the shock, the disappointment, the feels all throughout the scene is is incredible. Um, and his first act as king is to share, like do the exact opposite, and to try to help people. That's what he's well, what's what he's doing, but it's to an extreme mm-hmm. that he's trying to uh, fight fire with fire, essentially, and 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 take over. And um, now the interesting thing for me is at this point. 
you know, the good guys or the good guy squad, they're like, we need to go. This is bad. And Nakia, the spy she is, she from the River Tribe, she goes uh, and gets the last heart-shaped herb uh, from the garden there uh, while Killmonger's doing his revival sequence. Yeah, because he's uh, burning he's also- them all. Yeah, it burns them all, which I think is going to be interesting how they're going to circumvent that part of the story for if 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 they decide with Black Panther 2 to make Shuri the next Black Panther. Well, that's a question um, I had for you here is because mm-hmm. um, we know we're not getting T'Challa. Yes. Um, unless they keep him in the mask the whole time. Uh, which is something I well, under- well Kevin Feige did say they're not going to go forward with recasting him. Yeah, they're not they, going to recast him right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, so, like, even even if he had lived and we would get T'Challa, like, uh, in from a story perspective, how do we continue to have Black Panthers with only like he drank the last nectar? Right. So, uh, I have a theory on that. And that very that theory is going to be similar to um, what they did with Captain America, because in Captain America the soldier serum was destroyed, the super soldier serum was destroyed, and what the government tried to do was get it from Captain America's blood. So my theory is is that they're going to do the same thing, but Shuri's going to figure it out and and figure it out and and solve the problem of like the next Black Panther. Ooh, I like that. I like that. That's that's my theory, uh, because she would obviously, as as the scientist slash doctor, she would have had blood samples of of um, of T'Challa for for records. So I I'd imagine that what they that's what they can do. I don't know if that's what they will do. Uh, again, it's very very hard to move on with without uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, and the the incredible work he's done. Um, uh, but I, I think that the 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 right thing, well, not the right thing. I think that the the thing that they can do from here is Shori become. Now, I will I will tell I'll tell you about how the comic books did it. So Princess Shori uh, is is uh, the child of T'Chaka, as you know, the sister we all know. Um, now she uh, yearns to be Black Panther. That's always been one of her goals, uh, and she only achieves this after accepting true responsibility of leadership. And I think we see this in the movie a little bit because, um, because as long as T'Challa is around, she seems to be lighthearted and funny, and and just you know having a good time because I think she can rely on her brother a lot. But I notice when he's obviously when he's gone and that lost, she really takes it obviously really takes it to heart. But I think that you obviously you see her later on don a more um, a more uh, protective role of her brother uh, because uh, you'll notice afterwards when they resurrect. Uh, quote unquote, resurrect Black Panther, she starts to take more of a Black Panther role. She builds the arm cannons that she learns from uh, Ulysses Claw, seeing the arm cannons in action. Uh, and she she takes a more defensive and responsible role in protecting the throne. So my theory is uh, she, she may be the next Black Panther. And so uh, in the comics, the way it happens is 
is T'Challa is gravely wounded by Dr. Doom. Oh, so Dr. Shuri Doom's a jerk. Yes, he is. Shuri petitions Bast to succeed him, but is deemed unworthy and returns to regular duties, eventually earning the god's blessing and the throne by forsaking ambition and risking her life for Wakanda. Shuri governs uh, governs through the nation's darkest hours and perishes uh, heroically when the titan Thanos uh, Cabal invades. Uh, resurrected by T'Challa, Shuri returns as a mystically empowered avatar carrying the uh, knowledge of all Wakandans since Bashinga and her grasp of uh, history and human nature enable Shuri, now the quote, Aja Adana or ancient future to forge a new democratic leadership all uh, for all the fractured factions of Wakanda to unite around. Okay, that so, is straight up bonkers. <laughs> the, yeah. the comics have the liberty of being pretty weird and, and out there. Mm. Uh, and I think I think whatever we get in the movie is going to be easier to swallow than that. I think, but what I'm, I think, well, this is like directly quoted from the book, but I think that, um, I think what we're seeing here is I think the story will be that she's, you know, through, I th- they're, they're going to have to do, I don't know how they're going to do it. Maybe they'll just continue the story without really explaining it. But my guess is she's going to prove herself to be Black Panther is where the story is going to go. And I'd be 128% down with that. Uh, now, mm-hmm. speaking of stories, this is the part of the movie, Ryan, where we really kind of get to the meat of the story because uh, Eric Killmonger has walked into the throne room and said, guess who I am? I'm your cousin. What's up? And we learn yeah. his his tragic backstory and we learn why he's so angry all the time. Uh, and that is the primary focus of what Black Panther, the movie, is trying to tell us uh, is that Wakanda, as great as they are, as great as the people are, they mm-hmm. are they are hoarding something that could make the world a better place. Yes. And what is the biggest problem in the real world, Ryan, is the 1% hoards all of the the money and privilege that they have when they could be using it to make the world a better place. So mm-hmm. it's so beautiful that they took this concept and told it, basically told it to us through the eyes of these comic book characters uh, and giving mm-hmm. us that sense of, yes, Killmonger is not a nice person. Uh, his name is Killmonger, for crying out loud. He's, he's, his name's not Hugmonger. Um, but he is a he he became this way. Why? Because of T'Chaka's folly. T'Chaka's folly was I'm too scared to give away the truth of Wakanda to the world, so we're not gonna stop and take this kid. We're just gonna eject. That's it. Leave the body. Don't yeah. don't even don't even give my brother a proper burial because then somebody might see our spaceship and one thing leads to another and they find our vibranium. No, no, no. I'm just gonna get out of here. And that line of thinking of just trying to save face, I mean, not to get too political, but the reason we spent all of 2020 in the middle of a pandemic is because, you know, people wanted to save face. So instead of admitting, hey, this is wrong, let's stop this right now and cut it off at the source, all the wrong decisions were made. And next thing you know, we got a global pandemic, like saving, mm-hmm. you know, the 1% trying to save face and trying to hoard what they have always trickles down uh and and affects the rest of the world and that's Mm -hmm. the story that they're telling here with wakanda and 
what's so beautiful is you you tell it through this different lens where in our world minorities unfortunately they, they always get stuck outside of this one percent and in this world it's like no look it doesn't matter who is in the one percent what matters is that the one percent are hoarding things that are are beneficial to the whole planet and that's yeah. not right that you every you can't be an ebenezer scrooge you just can't yeah. and Killmonger's presence was sort of, you know, the ghost of Christmas future. It was what lit the fire under T'Challa's butt and were, and made him realize like, oh, you know, like it's not, yes, there are greedy people. The American government is just salivating to get their hands on vibranium because they want weapons. But at the same time, mm-hmm. don't look at it from a, he, he, he finally stops looking at it from a weapons perspective. And he looks at it from a perspective of this child could have grown up in a world like I did and become this, this cultured, healthy, happy, very intelligent individual like me, like my sister, like uh, Nakia. Instead, he grew up in a world where he had nothing and that's our fault directly. And now look what mm-hmm. we made. Look at the monster we made. And I think that makes Black Panther's story one of the most powerful ones and one of the most relevant ones in the whole MCU. I I could have said it better, man. I mean, all I all I can really add to that is that's in my mind, that's always been the beauty of Marvel is Marvel uses their storytelling uh, in a context that represents the social and political climate of that time. Um, and they've always been doing that since the beginning. Uh, and yeah, it's incredibly powerful to see. I mean, uh, it's incredibly powerful to see it in this repre- in this movie's representation because, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's really. I mean, Killmonger, you really feel for his goals. Um, he's a, a beautiful villain, uh, not, a beautiful villain, but in the sense that he he's just a person fighting for values that he. Th- he believes is right and it is that's what it is like it is right how he's doing it is wrong but he in which is interesting because that's what we see in the end is we see in the end that that uh he you know black panther t'challa says like we do need to outreach we need to help the world and and uh, I think to actually summarize the rest of the movie is I love the the last scene which is he said you know, he says it, you know, we are now, we're Wakanda and we're now going to help the world. And I love that the the first response, I mean, it's, oh man, I just want to hate that guy. <laughs> but he says is what does, what can a bunch of farmers bring to the table? Uh, and it's. Which is a, I, a, a stupid question, Mr. UN man, because <laughs> you know what? Everything that is brought to your table literally came from farmers. So peace. <laughs> But I mean, like, I love that they don't say anything because, again, we know, right? Like, yeah. we as the audience know, but we know. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's just incredible. It's uh, awesome to see. So beautiful movie. Um, the 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 even the scene where Killmonger is dying and and T'Challa even says like we can we can try to bring you back. And I love what he says. It's, it's just powerful. I don't even want to say it, uh, but. Uh, but it's it's incredibly powerful. You need to watch that scene if you haven't if you haven't seen the movie. You obviously need to watch it. Um, yeah, but, what are you, what are you uh, doing listening to us, yeah. you dork. Go love, watch a movie. 
I love that he takes him to go see the sunset and and, yeah. and, and shows him that. Um, and yeah, yeah, in the end, amazing movie, uh, amazing movie, love it. So Black Panther. Quest, question about the the meteor, the vibranium meteor. Mm-hmm. Now, does are we to believe now that there is a planet that the meteor came from? That's just a vibranium planet, and have we seen it before? Oh my god, it's funny you say that because I did read about it and I was like, oh, that's how the meteor got there. Um okay, so I'm just gonna summarize from what I remember reading. Uh, but I just uh, I don't think I can directly quote it. So the meteor is a result of the um the infinity stones uh after like the big bang and like the creation of planets and stuff um there was kind of like a explosion uh that affected um that affected a planet and end and and ended up mutating it into what is known as vibranium and that <clears throat> explosion ends up leading it to earth and or that meteor ends up going to earth uh, okay so there's no big vibranium planet that might show up in like Guardians Volume Three, where it's like everything here is super strong. Yeah, no, I uh, I sincerely doubt it. I'm gonna take a quick gander while we're talking about it. Uh, see if I can find it. Uh, it's like it's a fragment of part of that Big Bang explosion that they talk about, and it, that's how it ends up hurtling into Earth. So that's how that happens. Good times. Okay. Uh, but yeah, in the end, uh, never mind. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it more in the future. If I find it has to do something with the Eternals, we'll talk about it a little bit more in detail. But otherwise, I'm just going to be scrambling to find out the answers. No problem. So here's um, a hypothetical question for you. Um, mm. So with Star Wars, for example, we got the plan originally was episode nine was supposed to be very heavily focused on Leia. And then, of course, mm-hmm. right after making episode eight, Carrie Fisher passed away and they couldn't do that. And we got sort of their plan B. I, I couldn't help thinking as I was sitting and watching this movie, I'm like, imagine if just to be to catch audiences off guard and just to shock us. Imagine if when they had made Black Panther, the first one, they kept T'Challa dead. And the plot was that his sister took the mantle and fought Killmonger. And I thought, like, it, it would have been so strange and so eerily prescient because now we have a second movie where we can't, we physically cannot have Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I was just wondering, like, if there is a world where that happened, do you think you would have liked that movie better, worse, the same, Ryan, if they had done that? It's like, yeah, T'Challa's dead, Killmonger killed him, but now Shuri's taken over. I... I think I would have liked it just as much. I feel like that's a safe answer. I really do. I, I'm saying that knowing I feel like it's such a safe answer. But I think it would have still hit home with the ideology that um, with the ideology that uh, that uh, that that was the whole message of the movie. Like that was the goal, right? Is that tradition needs to evolve with innovation. And and that they need to you know they need to make change, um, and so so yeah I think I I think I would have liked it just as much because that's the message of the movie. 
That's a beautiful answer. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so never tell me the odds, Ryan. Let's let's play never tell me the odds here. What are the odds that in Black Panther 2, we will see T'Challa through the use of CGI like Princess Leia in the ancestral home? Uh, this is a, this has got a two-part question. There's another part okay. for this. I'm going to say that it's definitely... The odds are small because because of you, you really got to be careful with. I, I can tell Marvel is being really respective and also being very careful about how they approach it. Um, also, to note on the last comment uh, about the movie, which I, I do want to ask you uh, your thoughts and feelings on that. Um, there's a quote from T'Challa in the comics says, we are Wakanda. Change can only multiply our glories. And that's why I would have liked it just as much if Shuri. Oh. Um, if Shuri ended up uh, reclaiming it. So anyway, um, I feel like, okay, so I feel like, yeah, the odds are, I think the odds are pretty small, but I'd still say it's a possibility that that may happen. Mm, okay. So how about this then? Part two, what are the odds we see Killmonger in the ancestral plane? Oh, very high. Wow. Very good. So who, who would visit him? Shuri. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that uh, because Shuri had a similar vision to Killmonger there as well. So I'm going to ask you the same question uh, about about Shuri. If if the movie was that, you know, Black Panther did die in the movie and, and Shuri survived and ended up defeating Killmonger, would you have liked it just the same or more? Or I, I think I would have. Yeah, I think I might have even liked it a tiny bit better just because it would have caught me mm-hmm. off guard. I mean, I love yeah. Chadwick Boseman. I love T'Challa. I was always rooting for him, but it would have just been an, like a cool surprise. Like, oh, wow. Like, you know, the the pattern of Marvel has always been like, you meet your hero, whatever. And then in phase four, they get replaced with the teenage girl version of themselves. Uh, but now, like to have that happen in the same movie, I think that would have been really cool. Nobody would have seen that coming. Uh, yeah. So I think I would have been pleasantly surprised by that for sure yeah 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 well with that being said i think it's time to uh, head over to the good old ratings here and and how many stones and the whole nine yards right in the stones. so do we give it from zero to six infinity stones and if we love mm-hmm. it even more we give it an infinity gauntlet um i will i'll take the lead on this one so yep after some thought i thought well Altogether, this movie deserves a gauntlet. This is an infinity gauntlet. This just hit all the right notes. It was beautiful. It was poignant. It was necessary. It was timely. It was a great comic book movie, but it was also just a like a Shakespearean drama brought to life. Uh, I, I couldn't heap more praise onto it. It's infinity gauntlet all the way for me. Couldn't agree more. I would also give it a gauntlet, and just because of just because of the impact it had, not only in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in our universe, and I uh, can't say it any better way than that. Yeah, there's the Library of Congress does this thing where I think every year they select some movies that they deem quote culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant, and they enter those movies into the library of Congress. So like all the huge movies are in there, like wizard of Oz, star Wars, etc. I, I am just counting down the days till this gets selected. Cause it has to be. Um, yeah. All right. So 
who who got added to our character encyclopedia in this movie? Everyone. Everyone, right? So I have Shuri. Yeah. I have Shuri and I have M'Baku the Man-Ape. I already added them. Uh, what's you, you should already have T'Chaka. I should already uh, have T'Chaka and T'Challa. I have those and I have Okoye. Mm-hmm. What's um, Lupita Nyong'o's name? I'm totally blanking on her name. Nakia. Nakia. Mm-hmm. All right. That, uh, there we go. Nakia. Uh, by the way, I love the disc things that she uses, those weapons. Yeah, the sonic disc, I guess they are. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then, oh, sorry, you have Wakabi, uh, which is uh, fun small fact about the rhino where, where Black Panther takes out the rhino. Um, that's actually another scene from the comics. Fun fact there. Um, Did you know so that the Wakabi... rhino is my favorite animal? Did I ever tell you that? I No, I didn't. It's my fa- I love rhinos. Oh, that's, yeah. did you know that i took isabella to a behind the scenes tour of the toronto zoo and she got to feed a rhino oh my god did it lick her face yeah. like okay uh it did not uh but it licked her hand <laughs> that's close that's close. Uh, yeah yeah it was a yeah it's beautiful rhino um anyway but i did not know that about you huh good to know yeah um and then uh oh man shuri uh ramon uh ramonda uh zuri uh the prince uh, Ooh, okay, or, sorry the, the uh not the prince um the royal advisor what's his name zuri z-u-r-i oh yes that's forrest whitaker yeah yes forrest whitaker um oh man i i o uh a y o isn't it is he the guy with the green no, that's uh, that that's uh, Florence. Uh, she is the other uh, Dora Milaje, the kind of like second in command that you see quite a bit. Oh, okay, so that's you. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, lots of characters in this. <laughs> uh, you also you also have Umbaku. Yep, Umbaku is here. Yeah, yeah, uh, and. Uh, man, uh, I I would just put Wakandan elders. <laughs> yeah. Because so there's a lot. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, yeah. All right. So with that being said, we have a few entries in our cemetery. We have our two villains, Ulysses Claw. Oh, and uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Njobu, which is the uncle, the prince. Oh. Uh, yeah. How do we spell uh, N, N, apost- N apostrophe J-O-B-U. Uh, and he is played by Sterling K. Brown from mm-hmm. uh, one of the best written shows on TV. This is us. He is a powerhouse actor. All right. So our cemetery in our Marvel Memorial Cemetery, we are adding our <sighs> villains, Eric Killmonger and yep. Ulysses Claw. So yep. we have to, uh, as tradition pertains, we have to figure out what their gravestone uh, would be like. I think Claw yep. would have... Check out my soundtrack. Check out my, yeah. Uh, it's a statue of himself and carved into it is a link to his, yeah. his soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. Killmongers, I think, would be, he wants to be in the ocean. So I don't think he would yeah. be in, his body wouldn't be buried there. There'd just be sort of like a memorial thing for him. Yeah. Um, what would that look like? I would, I would actually just put the sunset, like just engrave a symbol of the sunset. Ooh, that's beautiful. That's what he wanted, right? Yeah uh yeah and uh also with ulysses um i would also use the the ultron line uh make make one rich make the other rich and then figure out which is which or whatever the line was oh yeah i forgot that line too make your friends rich and your enemies which to find out which is which gotcha yeah that that's his epitaph right there that's going on the tombstone wow 
Black Panther, I mean, it deserves all the praise it gets. It's yep. a glorious movie. And next time on Infinity Rewatch, we are, like Black Panther, returning for Infinity War. And uh, we, got, we got our little taste of that in the post credit scene uh, where we Hell see yeah. the White Wolf Winter Soldier walk out of that thing. And he's like, hey, what's up? I have one arm. Uh, which is interesting because White Wolf is an actual character uh, reference. Um, the White Wolf is a is a character to which a there was a plane crash into Wakanda, and the only survivor was a kid, and he became the adopted brother of T'Challa and became the White Wolf. Man, that is one lucky kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But it's it's nice to see that they use that reference uh, in reference to Bucky. I love that in credit sequence because now we know that Bucky's okay. He's back to normal. Got some long hair. Gorgeous. Yeah, he, he's a handsome man. Uh, but I mean, like, to to go out on this note with this movie is so it's so bittersweet because like, what is Black Panther two gonna be? Uh, yeah. How will they write T'Challa out of the story? What's the conflict gonna be now that Wakanda has gone public? Who's gonna be the villain? It's such an enigma. Uh, I and I feel like yeah. we can't really even hypothesize answers to those questions because it's so far down the line, Ryan, that like so mm-hmm. much is going to come out to set the stage beforehand that yep. it I guessing right now would just be like pissing in the wind. <laughs> I don't know if I'd use that terminology, but I mean, I agree with you. I, there's two stories. There's two major stories that people are banking on. One is uh, Atlantis is wage war. Atlantis wage war, wages war on Wakanda. Yes, please. Um, and or uh, and or um, uh, Latveria, Doctor Doom wages war on Wakanda. Also, yes, please. Uh, either way. So yeah, either way could go one or two, but that's yeah. that. That's where people are putting placing their bets. I, I just want to see I just want to see if if Shuri takes the mantle I just want to see them do the recreation of Black Panther testing the Fantastic Four. I really want to see that. And I'm just at the end of the day I'm just still so happy that the sequel is called Black Panther Two with Roman effing numerals because that's <laughs> how you roll. That is how a title. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy. Um. But that's Black Panther, everybody. Uh, yeah. Ryan, you are not the king of Wakanda, but you are the king of Mississauga. Uh, where, where online can people find you if they want to ask you questions and, and get your wisdom? All right. Thank you so much, man. Uh, they can find me over at twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada or find me on Twitter at uh, Crusader Online. Ooh, Crusader Online. That sounds like a, a Wakandan hero. It's like, hey, yeah. go get Shuri and Crusader online. They're going to help us fight this giant rhino. Uh, yeah. my, my, uh, my Twitter handle is Andrew Fantasia, but I'm barely on it. But you can also find me on YouTube, Andrew Fantasia, Facebook, Andrew Fantasia, and Instagram, Andrew Fantasia. I try to keep it simple. Uh, and you can find me also here on the Rebel Scum Podcast Network, where you listened to our groovy voices just now. Uh, and you'll find me there talking about Star Wars, because as this podcast clearly shows, I talk about Star Wars a lot. Um, so you can find me there being like guys isn't snow cool uh, and saying other insightful things like that uh, but that has been Infinity Rewatch for today that has been Black Panther I'm Andrew Fantasia I'm Ryan J. Whitehead and you sir and all of you everywhere Wakanda forever and have a marvelous day Wakanda forever thank you so much Chadwick Boseman
Yes, R.I.P.